0: Well hey hey friends, welcome to level 78 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball and boy howdy do we have an episode for you. Wookiee flying solo. Oh yeah, and I'm sure anybody with any sort of geek cred has figured out there there's something that I'm talking about in that title. But but there's more, there's more. It's it's a solo episode, so it it makes sense and I don't know, you know me, I'm just a goofy fuzzball. But let's let's just kick right off into this episode of Wookiee flying solo with Flavor of the Geek. If you didn't hear, I actually heard this in an article from Variety. Apparently, there's going to be a 13-episode Superman prequel series. It's been ordered uh, for DC's upcoming digital streaming thingy. Of course, Warner Brothers is doing all this. It's their television entertainment department. But apparently, the show is going to follow... Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, as they investigate a world of fringe science and expose the city's dark and bizarre secrets proposed title is metropolis and heavens knows I'm a huge fan of superhero shows named after the city that the particular hero is from and I don't really know anything more than this but apparently Warner Brothers plans to milk the proverbial sea cow until until there's no more milk poor Superman's just being milked and someone please 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 draw Superman as a sea cow for me it would be a lot of fun but apparently they just they're they're gonna make another show and of course that, that comes on the hills of the show on Sci-Fi Krypton which actually starts in March and if you don't know anything about that they're actually uh, there's new images that have, have come out there was a new poster that showed uh, Kal-El's grandfather Segel standing on the family crest to the house of El- bunch of other pictures showed adam strange who if you didn't hear there's going to be time travel and superman's grandpa all of a sudden they're going to bring him superman's cape and be like oh your your baby your baby grandbaby got some powers and there's problems and bah maybe you need to fix it although if he did fix it with the whole world of timey-wimey time travel then he would change everything and i don't know how that works but it does introduce time traveler adam strange which is interesting i actually i've i've heard quite a lot about this show uh Krypton lately you got the showrunner or the producer David Esquire actually said that he has a seven to eight year plan for the show. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. People haven't even seen the pilot yet. Like, yikes, who seven 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 year okay? And uh, I know Smallville had an eight season run, I believe, or maybe even was ten seasons. But uh I, I enjoyed that show it was a superman show not about superman but i think you only get one chance of that i'm a little interested you say adam strange i've also heard brainiac is a villain in the show there of course is uh the house of, of zod zod's house i'm not actually zod i'm sure he has a different different name. no i think last name is zod anyways anywho you've got two shows you've got you know d c Warner Brothers doing a show called Metropolis, and then they're gonna of course they're involved in the show even though it's on siphon called krypton and and we'll just we' we'll, we'll see what this all means when everything is said and done you know i i don't I don't even know what to say about it it just sort of like i I like Superman, I like Superman a lot but uh why 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 do, why 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 (laughs) i i don't i don't know but i guess the the moral of this is i i need a picture of uh a dc exec drawn like a jedi milking the thalassiren that is the superman franchise and getting green milk but i don't want to see it in their beard because they can't be bearded because only great things are bearded and that's that's not that's not how i actually uh describe all this stuff so uh yeah yeah yeah, if you want to read a really great article all about uh, the bizarre milk scene from The Last Jedi with the Thalassirons, you could actually go to uh, theverge.com. They actually could look up a bizarre milk scene from Last Jedi. And there's actually a basis in dairy science. But I digress. I digress. Let's move on to more geek news. We have in an article with Yahoo, Black Lightning showrunner Salim Akil, who's actually asked about Static Shock possibly being in the show, and the long of it is uh, he said he loves that idea and hopes that they're successful, that they're able to pull a bunch of characters into the show that way. So yes, and so far Black Lightning's been great. So, maybe we'll see Static Shock someday. Maybe we'll see other characters from the Outsiders universe. Also have an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. Apparently, I had I knew nothing about this, but I guess in the mid-1990s, um, Wesley Snipes actually had an idea and a plan for a Black Panther movie. And apparently in the 1990s, it was too much. Black Panther comes out next week, and the world, including myself, is excited. I already, I already have my tickets for opening night. Really, really stoked for it. Excited. We also have, uh, if you didn't know, Chris Pratt is going to be in a movie called Cowboy Ninja Viking that is actually based on a graphic novel and it's found as director. Michelle McLaren is going to be the director. She was once actually attached to Wonder Woman. Uh, Of course, that that didn't end up happening, Uh, but she is known for directing episodes of Game of Thrones, Westworld, Breaking Bad, and The Walking Dead. She's also a producer on a bunch of television and directed other television. And, and and done some really good episodes, so yeah, like why why not? And Cowboy Ninja Viking is that not a name that just gets you interested? It actually, I, I was like, man, maybe I should read that graphic novel. But Chris Pratt wants to be involved, and uh, there you go. There's just one more comic property coming into the world. Uh, what else we've got? Oh, I guess the next thing on my list is just Geek Rage, Geek. Rage, and what I'm talking about is lately I've been seeing a lot of angry geeks talking about the Fantastic Beast sequel, and this is more than just Johnny Depp beat his wife, and in there even though um, there's whole whole bunch more to that story, and I've actually talked about it on a solo podcast, and I actually think me and Ryan talked about it in one of the two parts of the podcast, which was a bonus show that came out last month. But this latest is they're saying that Fantastic Beasts are gonna they're gonna flake, they're they're gonna. Uh, totally lay to the side, Dumbledore's homosexuality, and what this all comes from is a recent comment from director David Yates saying that Dumbledore's sexuality wasn't going to be explicitly referenced in the upcoming movie, which is called *Fantastic Beasts 2: The Crimes of Grindelwald*. And and I, I I guess I, I don't understand this. Maybe this is a topic that I should bring Ryan on to do another podcast. But I I I think that there, I totally am all about diversity. Whether it be, you know, gender, sexuality, or I don't really believe in race. I think it's a construct. But, you know, people with different skin melanin, so to speak, I'm all about it. More diversity. It doesn't need to be just a bunch of white people, especially a bunch of white men on there on the screen. However, I don't. I don't know that I think, like, someone's sexual orientation needs to be completely out there in someone's face. I know that J.K. Rowling has said that Dumbledore is gay. It has been brought out that Grindelwald and him, you know, in his backstory uh, did have a romance. But, of course, we have no idea where this is going to be falling in the story of Dumbledore. I mean, obviously, they've probably already had the little fling when they were younger, and now they're moving on to do their own thing. And, and I, I guess it's not going to explicitly be referenced but no you don't know what that means we haven't seen the movie we haven't watched it we don't know what what david yates would define as explicitly referenced like i guess when i think of that explicit is like hello i'm dumbledore and that's not actually i don't want to do a gay voice so i'm doing a really bad voice but i like men and wands and magic dumbledore and i think that's what it's what he's saying He's not gonna all of a sudden be showing up in pink robes and fluffy slippers and with lots of glitter and being fabulous and more well dressed and better kept than any straight man. He's he's just gonna be Dumbledore, beautiful Jude Law, as Dumbledore with his beard and his blue robe, and and uh, I I guess I don't I don't understand everybody all of a sudden just be like fuck fuck Harry Potter fuck it fuck it all to hell because they don't care about LGBT because. I, I I guess I don't see but I'm talking as a straight man and, and I realize that, that limits my opinion on the matter I guess I just don't get it what I do want to point out is just a tweet from the writer of the script for the crimes of Grindelwald who happens to be the, the all around overlord of the universe because I'm talking about J.K. Rowling the author of the seven Harry Potter books and uh, she actually put out a tweet which I thought was pretty amazing I'm just going to quote it And uh, I'll do it in my best British lady accent, but being sent abuse about an interview that didn't involve me, about a screenplay I wrote, but which none of the angry people have read, which is part of a five movie series that's only one installment in, is obviously tons of fun. But you know what's even more fun? And she put a meme of putting people on mute. I'm sure it's a famous meme. I don't recognize it, but it's like a guy just like, mute. (laughs) And it's funny because she has a point. Uh, she wasn't in the interview, so don't don't come at J.K. Rowling just because you don't like some David Yates say you have not read the screenplay, you don't know what's in it. It is a five movie series, so you don't know what's going to happen with the relationships for the characters, what she has planned, and uh, and yeah, yeah, she probably should put all those people on mute. So uh, I guess that's it's a long way for saying this was news. I don't necessarily care as much as other people. Not that I care about people's feelings. But I, I think this might be blown out of proportion. I think this might fall into the realm of clickbait. And uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. And J.K. Rowling is, is very clever with her tweets. So we also have, it's just, just real quick news. I actually talked about Illumination Entertainment, who you would know from Despicable Me and the Minions and from Sing and from The Secret Life of Pets. It is now confirmed. It is not just a rumor, official confirmation, that they're doing a Super Mario Brothers movie And, of course, Illumination Entertainment is through Universal, which makes sense because I'd actually talked about news of Super Mario stuff going to the Universal theme parks. So, yes, movie's happening. I think it's a perfect way to do a Super Mario movie. Uh, My youngest, uh, well, I've got two young sons. So, one of my young sons is crazy about Mario. In fact, uh, recently, every time I see him on Skype, he's wearing his Mario hat from his Halloween costume when he was Mario and wore the cute little mustache. And, yeah. Yeah. So lots of kids rejoice in, and a lot of people my age who grew up with Mario probably really excited about it because they could take their kids to go see it, and and let's let's see what they can do. I like the Illumination Entertainment stuff; they haven't all been winners, but uh, the movies the movies have been enjoyable, and they like to make money, and this is one way to for sure make money. Combine that Nintendo and and Universal brain trust, so to speak, and make all the money. Other geek news, this just uh, came in the wake of the Sony CEO, Kaz Harai, stepping down and there's a new guy, I don't have his name here, uh, but he's known as a cost cutter, the new guy is. So, there's, our, rumors are circulating now that Sony's movie division is probably going to be sold and of course, then people automatically are going to Disney doing it, to a acquire the rights to Spider-Man and acquire the rights for their upcoming streaming service as if they don't have enough stuff, especially with that Fox acquisition when it goes through for their own streaming service. What I want to say about this, if you've heard anything about people saying, Sony's being sold to Disney, it's happening. Yes, I realized that once was a rumor for Fox and it did happen, but basically the new CEO has not said anything, uh, hasn't came out with any business plans and uh, this is all at this moment. Rumor and conjecture. I have I went down a rabbit hole and read a bunch of stuff. I went down the rabbit hole, so you didn't have to. But I gotta say the Tweedles were delightful. But Marvel could actually regain the rights of Spider-Man under if they have some subclause that if Sony's movie division is ever sold to somebody else and it sorts back to them, very possible. It's there. Also possible that Disney could just spend money to just get Spider-Man back if that's something they really wanted to do. And uh, just I guess if you really care you can fall down the rabbit hole I did there's really nothing there and uh, it's it's something you could watch out for but not something to go crazy over for sure and honestly just my two cents I don't know anything about monopoly law or anything like that I know that they are still approving this deal for Disney with Fox and I, I seem to think that if they acquired the entire like movie and television division of Sony that might actually constitute having a monopoly, so I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, does that mean Sony could be snatched up by other companies? Sure, absolutely, and I'm sure this sort of stuff comes out because people have talked about it in boardrooms or circulated rumors within Sony. And and who knows where it all go? Would I like Marvel Studios to regain the rights to Spider-Man so that the last property would be in their hands and then they could do everything? I I seem to think. Yes, because at least all the stories that would come out, but I, I say that with a bit of caution because if all of the superhero, all the Marvel stuff is over on the Disney side, then you have all the DC stuff over on the Warner Brothers side, I think we'd probably actually get less movies, but that could also mean that we would just get quality movies because the Marvel movies tend to be better, um, or when I say Marvel, I mean Marvel Studios, so we'll, we'll just see how it all shakes out, and, and could it potentially be a world where Disney owns all the Marvel stuff? Sure. Sure, that, that world could potentially exist, but as of right now, it does not. But Spider-Man's going to be in Affinity War, so don't even worry about it. Don't you worry your little head over it. Don't you worry at all. Also, just, uh, I read a little thing about, uh, actually, I think I heard it on a podcast. I think I heard it on uh, Collider Heroes. Just uh, that the, uh, image surfaced. I didn't even look this up online for Avengers 4 of Mark Ruffalo a motion capture with a bindle which has people talk a bindle of course is a stick with a handkerchief with stuff in it like hobos have so people have talked about hobo Hulk uh, look up these behind-the-scenes pictures if you want I didn't I didn't actually look it up because I didn't really care I just put in my notes to talk about also if you're a fan of The Walking Dead just uh, apparently they may actually be losing Maggie in the future yes that's right because in this world where where it's times up and and everything is it's looking very very sweet for you know gender equality especially in the world of entertainment i they apparently it has come out that the walking dead does not pay the actress who plays maggie the same as it. that's right lauren cohen does not get paid the same amount of money as some of the male actors and uh, if she doesn't she might be leaving and (laughs) you know what i say uh i say that's pretty shameful that if oh wow like especially with everything going on that it just it seems if she's a huge actress on the show she's actually one of the good parts of the show really that's going on and uh the fact the fact that uh that that she uh that she might be leaving because of the pay thing is uh is sort of really reprehensible and uh yeah, then if she needs to leave and, and show, then fine. But really, I think The Walking Dead is sort of circling the drain anyways, and it might not be a big deal. Apparently, Lauren Cohen is doing a lot of pilots for other shows, and good for her. She's, she's a good actress, and uh, I might point out, even though BVS was was a steaming dumpster fire, she, uh, she did play uh, Martha. Martha, yes, the name that broke a thousand eardrums in BVS, along, along with Negan himself. Who played you know Papa Wayne? So you know she could she could be in the Flashpoint movie as Martha Wayne. Joker is all I'm saying. Lauren Cohen maybe that's where you make your money and make up for it. We also just Superman news that I actually care about, unlike Krypton and Metropolis. Brian Michael Bendis, who I did talk about, had moved from Marvel over to DC. He's officially announced the comics that he's writing, and much to my excitement, he's writing Action Comics and he's writing Superman for DC. I already pull Superman, but oh, oh man, in this world where I'd been thinking about actually pulling action comics, and uh, and and reading them because the stories look cool, well, damn it, anyways, it looks like I might actually have to start pulling action too. If Brian Michael Bendis is doing this. He has he's a great history of doing good stuff with characters, and uh, Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man just immediately comes to mind whenever you think of Bendis, and uh, it's pretty exciting news to see what'll do for Superman and. Uh, I, I'm going to keep my eye on it and be really excited for it. Other news, we got uh, Joel Kinnaman, who is the director for the upcoming Suicide Squad 2, just said uh, that the, the new movie is going to be more grounded. There's going to be less sorcery. So, hey, who knows what that means, but I guess that means they're not going to misuse Enchantress as, as a, a villainous in the future, although pretty sure she did. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, hopefully they're just probably hoping that they can get another Academy Award for Killer Crocs Makeup. And they're going to keep winning Academy Awards for makeup for bad movies. Or maybe they won't be bad movies. I, I think Suicide Squad 2, do villains against villains. Do ground-level villains against ground-level villains and, and give us a good movie. Or give us the movie where Joker is the villain. You know, David Ayers has actually said that he realizes that the Joker should have been the big bad for his movie. So give us the movie where the Joker is the big bad. That'd be okay. Or, you know, even a lot... I've heard a lot of people not really liking, I guess, spoilers for like 30 seconds, 5, 4 three two one but I've heard people saying that they they don't want to see a movie with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke and with uh with the bad the the League of Evil and uh maybe that could be the really cool way that you get that Suicide Squad 2 versus them and uh I think that could be a lot of fun so yeah I, I I'll probably go see Suicide Squad 2 whenever it is coming out I actually don't uh have that information right readily at my fingers but uh yeah you know what sure joel kinnaman i think i think that uh that could be good please less less magic Uh, but you know if you're gonna have a diablo you know who knows the movie's not even coming out to 2019 i know that much so there you go there you go more grounded suicide squad (laughs) yeah that's good so good what else oh if you didn't see deadpool's got a new poster and uh check it out yay for flash dance and bullets instead of water and then rumor that we're gonna get a trailer on valentine's day that's the anniversary of the first film and check out check out the deadpool poster and i'm just really looking forward to the the deadpool uh all the stuff they're gonna do to promote this movie because i really enjoyed everything they did to promote the first movie and i i liked the you know, the trailer that they had and the, the Better Homes and Gardens or whatever and the Bob Fosse. I, I just think, uh, I think that's really clever and, I, and I'd like to see more clever stuff for Deadpool. I, I really would. But I guess we're talking advertisements, so uh, let's just go... Oh, I don't think I'm allowed to say anything about bulls that are super. I think you have to talk about the big game. The big foosball game. The big foosball game. You know, you take... Uh, take a bowl and you're like this bowl is stupendous this bowl is grandiose would i say the bowl is super no it's not really a superhero they really a superhero bowl it's more of a more just a really good bowl <laughs> that's just my way to say it. we had geeky advertisements in during the big game the superhero bowl if you will because uh it this is the the geek have inherited the earth and all a lot of the geeky things that we like I almost at all but a lot of the geeky things that we like are there and and the, we're watching the the sports ball game just like everybody else I actually really like football i was working during the super bowl but i did watch parts of it uh i really 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 enjoy hockey go kings go but i know not not all geeks are crazy crazy into sports but if you A lot of people just watch the the Superhero Bowl, the the Grandiose Bowl, just for the commercials. And who blame them? Because some of the commercials are really, really good. And what we got during that was a 30-second Avengers Infinity War spot. And literally this is just 30 seconds, you know, 20 or more new shots. All the shots tell us nothing, but you you get to see Spidey Doctor Strange and Iron Man together. You get to see Cap and T'Challa together. You get to see Vision and Scarlet Witch, which is probably gonna be the inevitable continuation of the romance, which might also offer some intriguing ideas about Infinity Stones. Uh I'm I really there, there were just some cool shots in here. Iron Man flying through one of Doctor Strange's spells. So cool, Spidey in space, so cool. Cap with a new shield befitting him becoming Nomad. And then there's the wonderful CGI of Thanos which just seems to be like Marvel being like, hey DC, here's what a CGI villain looks like. This is it. Yeah, he can be purple, it's okay. But this is what they look like. This is good. This is what movies should look like. And DC being like, it's not fair. We really tried hard with Justice. Like, stop being so mean. Aquaman's got to be great. (laughs) And we hope it is. I really do. But uh, this 30-second short for Infinity War was was fun. What else? Uh, There was a Westworld Season 2 trailer. This is HBO pulling out the big guns. Because 30 seconds during the bowl that is super cost five million dollars so you know they put up a whole dang trailer i didn't look for how long it actually was but it was at least a minute so 10 million hard-earned dollars doll hairs if you will lots of doll hairs so many bald dolls running around because of hbo throwing all the doll hairs at uh at nbc i think who actually did uh the bull that is super but uh you got the westworld season 2 trailer coming out in april and and man, this trailer is good. If you like the first Westworld, this is gonna continue this world. You know, this is our world now. And good luck fighting those robot bulls now that Dolores is taking back the world where kind was tortured for the pleasure of rich people. It was so fucking amazing. It really looked good. And I'm I'm excited for Westworld coming back in April. I've actually heard that the official date is April twenty second, but I don't think that's officially on the interwebs. So yeah. What else? There was a Castle Rock trailer. Oh, I I'm excited for this because it's the world of Stephen King connecting everything from The Shining to to uh Carrie to to Salem's Lot to It to Shawshank Prison, um Dolores Claiborne, Cujo, and and more and more and more and all the original Castle Rock things. I think this could be tons of freaking fun and i'm a big fan of mark bernardin who's on fat man on batman who was one of the writers on the show and uh yeah a lot of these trailers i don't know if i put all of the trailers up onto the laugh it up fuzzballs page subtle plug for the facebook group page but i know i know quite a few of them got put up there and uh if there's one you want to see look it up but i I i'd be willing if you sent shot me a comment on laugh it up fuzzball.net sent me an email I, I would or put a just put a comment on to laugh it up fuzzballs like hey I, can you throw that trailer on here I'll I'll be more than happy to I really will um, what else <laughs> so there was Jurassic World two stuff uh, they're actually I think there was a little thirty second spot but or maybe they showed the entire second trailer like I said I didn't get to watch the game completely but the second trailer actually was a lot better than the first trailer And uh it, it 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 looked good they didn't lean so heavily on the entire like it's a volcano movie and we talked about the volcano in the first book and, and that's the geothermals and how they powered the park but I know we didn't mention it in the movies but we're pulling it out for the for the Jurassic World 2 movie and uh, I actually I think there was a 30 second spot because I heard some people talking about just way too much like it was just like image overload what I, I didn't see the short but I did watch the second trailer and I I think it makes the movie look rad I don't know if I think the movie's going to be rad but it makes the movie look rad. Lots of lots of new dinosaur imagery. There's some stuff like you know, it looks Jurassic Park two. The dinosaurs came to real place, came to San Diego, and I have a feeling there's a city that's gonna wish that that movie had never been made because it looks like it might be happening again. And they had the Indominus Rex in Jurassic World, and it looks like they're not done creating new things. Maybe there's a new kind of raptor. I think I heard the name Indoraptor, and then you get a uh, Chris Pratt's relationship with Blue, which I think could be super cute. T-Rexes, Brontosaurus, it looks like they use some practical and some CGI. There's some stuff that definitely looked practical. And, uh, yeah, check out the second trailer. It. I'm, I'm going to go see Jurassic World 2 just because Jurassic Park is part of my childhood. And, uh, yeah, I remember I went to go see Jurassic Park with my mom, who was a big scaredy cat. I'm also a big scaredy cat, but more when it comes to horror movies, not when it comes to, like, science fiction and action thrillers. But my mom was, like, screaming and squeezing my hand and was very embarrassing. And I remember, like, one particular time she screamed was really embarrassing was when the raptor blows his nostril on the window. Although I do remember that movie having a hell of a lot of anticipation as a young fuzzball checking it out. But uh, yeah, we're getting more Jurassic World. But what, what I thought was the best marketing for any of this movies just, had, and I threw an image of it up on my Instagram at Wookie Riot. That's W O O K I E E R I O T. But was the very end image from a 30-second clip for Jeep, which ties into Jurassic World, and it's Jeff Goldblum in a Jeep Rubicon. Involving a T-Rex, and it goes back to Jurassic Park when they're they're running away from the T-Rex, and then and then Ian Malcolm gets his dab gum revenge in this little short, and it's amazing. And I really, I really should just throw that up onto uh, Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. Maybe I will after I record this podcast, cause uh, yeah, I I love it. But the image that I took is uh, up there on uh, on my Instagram. It really is. But that's all the geeky news for now. I guess we'll just go into the small screen Star Wars sci-fi superhero synopsis. Uh, Just a couple shows that I watched over the week. First up, we have Supergirl Season 3, Episode 12, Entitled for Good. And three words, friends, Computo, Zod, and Lexosu. Sure, the first two of those words were only mentions in the show, but this is the sort of thing which makes me really, really love this show that I get to enjoy with my love. This episode focused more on Lena Luthor versus Morgan Edge, and while it could have just been a filler episode, and especially because Morgan Edge isn't the best villain, although I hate him every time he's on screen, it found a way to to add add to the show. Lena Luthor got to be awesome. You got more of Jimmy and Lena's relationship. More for Samantha dealing with the rain blackouts. It sowed some seeds for drama. Um... With Mono returning to Kara's life with a wife and tail, there's a return for a villain from the uh, return from a villain from the past, Legion Flight Rings, a a bit more Brainiac Five, a bit more Brainiac Five with Wynn. And uh, I said it right in the beginning Lex Luthor's super powered suit. No, it's not Lex Luthor in it, won't spoil who was in it, but it's great. And there's also me happy to see Jimmy return for a moment as Guardian. And I I like it when Lena is assertive and shows the power of her Antec, plus, I like it when they play into that, you know, she's, she's been a good gal in the show, but she's also a Luthor, and, and is she bad, uh, when, what are her actions, how, where's her line, how far is she willing to go, and, uh, there's one hell of an action packed finale with lots of good guy, bad guy flying action, fun stuff, and, uh, it was a really good episode, and I'm ready for them to finally get back to the, the world of the world killers, I really am, we have The Flash season four, episode twelve, "Honey, I Shrunk Team Flash," or "Honey, I Shrunk Team Flash," and this this episode is great. You know, they did the the phone home episode for Guardy or for Legends of Tomorrow earlier. This is another sort of little '90s nostalgia. Although this has nothing to do with the Rick Moranis movie, they just stole the title, and it does have to do with shrinking. Um, but this episode makes me laugh because there were quite a few things in it that I also saw in the Ant Man and Wasp trailer, which actually dropped on the same day as this episode. And uh, maybe DC and Marvel don't really compete on the big, big screen, but Flash can honestly say that they did some things first. There are some things they did in this episode where like, well, our episode came out before your movie. So uh, there, you, there you have it, and the villain for this week is uh, Siebert Rundin, or Rundin, uh aka dwarf Star, who, fun fact, is an Adam villain. There's another Court Industries cameo, plus just the fun of dealing with the baddie or shrink stuff, which is used to great comedic effect. I also like that they took some time to point out how none of the past stuff uh, is leading to defeating DeVoe, but there's some really good stuff for Barry and Big Sur in prison that ends in a heartfelt way that also progresses this story forward, and connects to stuff in previous episodes. I'll be honest, I didn't really dig Cecile having mind-reading powers, but the end moment for her and Joe and the the brief return of the therapist made it worth it. You know I'm going to like any episode which uses the Simpsons word "imbiggin" in it multiple times. Yes, "imbiggin" is a real word. It is a perfectly cromulent word. And really the winning moment of this episode involved the shrunken, gumshoe Ralph Dibney that made me laugh every time I rewound to watch it. And I, I, I went back and watched it several times i just i thought it was a really good gag uh wells gets some time to show off his brain powers keeps everyone focused on the true big bad of the season this episode it really balanced goofy and dramatic well it was a lot of fun to watch and bonus my beautiful heather enjoyed this and black lightning right alongside me even if she may have been a little lost and need a bit of explaining from her future hubby fuzzball but i really like this episode i like where i think it may be headed we have Black Lightning Season 1, Episode 3, Lawanda, the Book of Burial. Book of Burial. Uh, this show may be the most different of all the DCWs. DCW, yeah, blah, 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 words are hard. All, maybe the most different of all the DCW stuff, but it really is fast becoming my favorite. It happens to have superheroes in it, but it's about so much more. Freeland is a real city with real problems, and it, it's not just. Oh. That's, that's a lot of fun. I don't even know if it's still recording, friend. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to edit all this out. I may not. I may not. <laughs> I may just leave it all in and have somebody be li- This is what happens when you fly solo, when Wookiees fly solo. Sometimes they need a co-pilot to help them along. But uh, <laughs> we're going to – my computer finally just fired up. We're going to go back to our dad, And they recorded it. <laughs> it's all right there. So, yeah. Uh, there we go we're just gonna keep going so where were we okay so uh it happens, this show happens to have superheroes in it, but it's it's really about so much more. Freeland is a real city, real problems. It's not just Black Lightning who wants to fix it. Ordinary citizens are tired of all the crime and corruption. Also, Jefferson Pierce's daughter works on her new superpowers, letting us know that she may be joining the crime-fighting fray soon, but there's lots of family dynamics here. And once again, Black Lightning only really appears for a small portion at the end, letting, uh, letting his real self as Jefferson Pierce as a father, as a husband, and as a member of a community racked by crime shine through. A bonus to show is it's about how heroes can fight to make a change in the world, but they're not always successful. We see deeper into who pulls the strings of crime with Lady Eve and Tobias Well remains an impressive bad guy here. It's a heavy episode, but then it isn't as Pierce and his ex-wife have to deal with their youngest daughter announcing she's ready to have sex, which is awkward. And real and wonderful to watch. Uh, I think this is the moment where Heather really started liking the show. It was all the, the dynamics and interplay between the characters. Really, I, I know that this show means so much to people of color. Um, I, but it, it means so much to lots of people. It's incredible. It's poignant. And it is so accessible to everybody. And like I said before, race is a construct. But I realize that some people get their heads wrapped up about it. But this, this show is for everyone, and I'm happy it exists. Um, I love what it brings to the table. I'm also intrigued to want to know more about Jefferson and Tobias, since they both think they offed each other in the past. really think Black Lightning has rocked for three episodes in a row, and I, I really love it. We have Arrow Season 6, Episode 12, all for nothing. And I think the name of this episode says it all. Vigilante is working with the divided teams of Star City. But before we forget... Caden James is a smart, smart bad guy. Nothing is ever easy for Arrow as he fights to save his city right from go. There's lots of death. And I'm like, "Welp, I think this episode's going to be a dark one. And it is. But it's also really good since it gives more backstory for Dinah and Vincent. Also a side plot for Quentin and Black Siren Laurel that aimed at providing feels for the characters and worked until it didn't, but not because of bad writing. It will make you feel things. But it's just that Quentin needs to remember that this version of Laurel is an Earth 2 villain working with Kate and James, and probably shouldn't be redeemed unless some stuff from this episode is revealed to not be as it seems. What I took away from this, Ollie needs to learn how to be a leader. Wild Dog, Mr. Terrific, and Black Canary are really a good team together. The problem is that things would go a lot better for everybody if they found a way to actually work together instead of side by side. I'm sure they're going to get there, but there's some stuff they're going to have to deal with first, for sure, before they get there. But it was a dark episode with stakes, and it was a good episode. I, I want to see what happens next. We got Agents of Shield season five, episode ten, Past Life. All the amazingness from the last nine episodes pays off in a wondrous 42 minutes with Agents of Shield versus Cassius and the Kree in his lighthouse space station. Can they get back to their own time? Even more important, does it even matter if they do? There's a bigger villain in the episode, which deals with ideas about time travel and time loops again, which adds so much to where the story can go. Flint gets to showcase his rock powers to great effect, and all the characters just get the right amount of time to pay off their arcs. Plus there's death, and destruction, and fights, and even Space creepy PCP. There's sacrifice, and action, and amazingness, and I loved it all. Cassius was a very effective villain for these 10 episodes, and my only regret is it looks like we're headed back to real time on Earth. I have hope for how this is all going to go. Um, they did a great job of ending on a cliffhanger where you're not even quite sure how it ended, who has made it. The show returns on March 2nd. They have a month off, but I, I just have to say, way to go, Agents of Shield and Marvel TV. And uh, now, I guess they're gonna have to deal with that Air Force General who was keen on shooting people in the face if they failed her. Because yes, that did happen in the episode that involved Fitz. But that was all the television that I got to watch, actually. I was really excited to watch uh, The Altered Carbon, what I thought was a movie on Netflix, and then discovered it's not. It's a 10-episode show on Netflix, and uh, I was like, crap, I don't, have to, I don't have the time to watch 10 episodes. So uh, I've actually watched a little bit of the first episode. So far, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not sure how I'm going to break it up, whether I'll do like two episodes a week or, or see what I can watch in between school. But uh, so far, Altered Carbon seemed seemed Okay yeah i don't i don't really have much more to say about that but let's let's move on to our next segment in the stacks not as heavy as last week with all the comics but i did actually get to read some comics i picked up my pull list and uh because there were single issues i was like you know what let me just uh let me read where i have time you know you can always read a comic while you're while you're taking a poop just saying although i don't because i don't, don't want to get poop hands or dirty hands on the comics that's just me though but I, I, I find time to read. Like I'll take a comic with me to school and if I have a 15 minute break, I'll just read it and then I'll bring it back and then take another one. That's what I do. Like right now, I actually have checked out two trades from my school's library because I had 30 minutes to kill. and I didn't have anything to do it, so I read a comic, but we're gonna talk about those in the next issue because I haven't finished it yet. But this is me just getting into the comics. I read Dark Knights Metal number no. five, written by Scott Snyder, pencils by Greg Capullo, ink by Jonathan Glapian and color by FCO Placentia, If you're waiting for a a bunch more panel time for the Batman Who Laughs, here you go. We follow Superman and Batman at the Forge Worlds, Aquaman and Deathstroke is an unlikely team up at the center of the earth, you get Hal Jordan, Mr. Terrific Plastic Man, and a surprise hero at Thanagar, and then Wonder Woman searching for Hawkman's mace. Needless to say, things are not going to go well for our heroes, but the fun is in which nemesis they end up facing. Wonder Woman really gets the spotlight in this issue, and she's amazing, as she should be. There's still two issues left of this rad series I've been enjoying so much. Snyder deserves much praise for this horror-filled, Justice League story centering around Batman and Hawkman and actually Snyder is gonna be doing this is this is warm-up for uh, Justice League No Justice which is going to be another event from DC but uh, metal is a really good stuff there's two more issues I'm sort of sad that it's gonna be over but I'm excited to see where it all ends up another issue Doomsday Clock issue 3 this is written by Jeff Johns the amazing Jeff Johns with art by Gary Frank this strangely wonderful story of the Watchmen universe colliding with dc continues with more for rorschach with batman rorschach's hanging out with batman including who rorschach is sort of you don't really know who rorschach is but you get to see a face uh, plus the situation that has found himself in in lex luther's office uh, a lot more information there the new characters of mime and marionette are great and uh, get lots of lots of time in this comic including some stuff that may uh, make you say hey i think i saw that in the killing joke you're definitely gonna like this comic if you enjoy darker stories it's full of easter eggs and tributes to other comic stuff that i'm sure i don't even catch half of it really fun and it's in a slow yet great to read way. It's it's telling a story that may or may not be connected to the DC universe at large. And does it does it really matter? Because I don't I don't know if it does. Because I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I think it's good. I actually think the end of March is when issue four comes out. So the uh, ostensibly every month there's going to be an issue. But with anything like this, it's all about like how fast can can it be written? How fast can the art be done? And uh, it's supposed to be told over a year. So uh but issue 3 actually has march on it and it came out in January. So uh we'll see. We'll see Januarys came out in December and then uh Februarys came out in January. But so did Marchs. So maybe they're getting a head start cuz I just want to make sure they get it all done. We shall see. But the Interwebs says end of March for issue 4. Uh but I you know I was catching up on comics and I got all the newest issues of the Star Wars comics that I like reading. And so uh, I, I did it. Probably should have been doing schoolwork at some points, but I'm a fast reader, so don't worry about me. So far, I'm doing really good at school. Just do my best. But first up was a one-shot. I didn't even know this was going to exist, but it was at the comic store when I was picking my pull list. This is uh, DJ Most Wanted, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Yes, I did say Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Can't make these things up. You got pencils by Kevin Walker, ink by Mark Deering, color by Java, Tartaglia. If you wanted more Benicio Del Toro's DJ character including his trademark stutter, this, then this issue is going to provide all that for you. All set on Kanto Bight before DJ got locked up. And then, you know, of course, while he's locked up, he meets the heroes from Last Jedi. But honestly, there's nothing here I consider instrumental to the character. Uh, if you want him to seem more like a good guy... Then read this because maybe you'll feel that way at the end it's, it's not bad it just really didn't do much for me I was hoping for more canto bite stuff but it sort of fell short in that department there's a giant buff Rodin and more vaping in space if that's your thing I, I'm glad I read the issue I mean it wasn't on my poll list but I saw it on the rack and I picked it up I got a variant a variant uh, cover of it uh, but my life would be complete without reading it too Um, It did remind me, though, when I was reading this one-shot, that there actually was a one-shot I read a ways back that I never got around to talking about. So from one that I thought was sort of meh to one that I really enjoyed, Cassian and K2SO, written by Dwayne Sparsinski, art by Fernando Blanco, colored by Marcello Maioli. Cassian Andor is on a mission for the Rebellion, along with two other operatives, comes into contact with an Imperial security droid. Fans of Rogue One know as K2SO. And let's just say they don't start off as friends uh, he is a reprogrammed imperial droid so at one point he was programmed to do other things and much to Cassian's chagrin he has to deal with it uh they, there's fun hijinks while, while Cassian is trying to reprogram k2so so. it's a fun romp all in the name of retrieving some imperial security protocols and his origin still stories go for two characters this is a really fun one. Totally read all the dialogue as the characters I saw on screen. And while you don't need to know this story to enjoy Rogue One. It is not unenjoyable. And it, actually when I re Rogue One after reading this. It did add a little bit to some of the character dynamics. Also a new planet in Wakako. I think that's how you say it. It's W-E-C-A-C-O-E. And there's uh, twins Curtis and Rizmoor who communicate by scent. Who are really cool. It's a good story. It has action and humor. And uh, I think you might enjoy it. Next up. Darth Vader issue 10, written by Charles Sewell, pencils by Giuseppe Cabancoli, ink by Danielle Orlandini, and color by David Curiel. This is the showdown between Vader and Jedi librarian Jocasta New, and I still think it's funny to say, you know, Vader and Jedi librarian Jocasta New. Uh, if somebody told me, you know, six months, 12 months, whatever, that I'd be reading a story about that, I'd be like, I think, uh, I think you better go back to smoking whatever drugs you're doing, because that sounds like a silly idea, but... This is really dang good stuff. Ends in a different way than you might expect, which adds more layers to the dynamic of Vader the Apprentice in relation to a Sith Master. The real end just ties into some Episode 6 stuff, which is really interesting. The storyline, which Acosta knew was a really fun way that Soul connected the worlds of the prequels, Star Wars Rebels, and then leads you into the original trilogy. I'm not going to spoil this story. It's called The Dying Light. It's told in four parts, but it is totally worth checking out then the new vader comic with charles soul writing is really really enjoyable stuff we got star wars issue 42 this continues the ashes of jedda story does it finish it i think it might be the penultimate you know story in this but uh, it's part five of ashes of jedda written by karen gillen Art by Salvador Laraca, color by Guru EFX, and we get the Rebels working with the remains of Sagarera's partisans, trying to keep the Empire from gaining any more Kyber Crystals from the shattered remains of Jedi. This is a two part plan take away the giant Shotoran machine the Empire's using, and as these desperate plans for Rebels go, their success, and then things look desperate. And this is certainly one of those cases and terrific to read. Any new adventures for Leia, Han, Chewie, and Luke are good times for me. This is right up that alley, and as you can see, I am a fan when when writers actually tie in the entire universe and and connect the different movies, if you will, and the different eras. We got Poe Dameron, issue twenty three. It continues the Rebel mission to save Lor Santeca Tekka that uh, was in previous issues. This is uh, written by Charles Sewell, with art by Angel and Zweda, colored by Arif Prianto. We're left dealing with the chaos that was sure to ensue when Commander Malaris and Agent Terex got involved in the resistance with it the with the Resistance's mission to save Tekka from the Nemordians, Poe gets another opportunity to prove what a badass pilot he is against Malaris, and then Terex has plans of his own to get the mind control tech he was gifted by Phasma taken care of. What I've really been liking about the Poe comic is how it's an ensemble adventure and that's still the case here. We get some conflict resolved while the whole mission still hangs on a limb by the end but in a new way. I'm just hoping one particular loose end that was tied up in this story stays that way. Terex really has been an interesting adversary and at times I've even felt sympathetic to him even if he is a big asshole. Poe Dameron was pretty good. I do wish Leia had seemed uh, stronger in this issue in prior parts of the story. She was awesome but uh, it's still worth checking out. Especially because uh, this San Tekka tale is not finished. And last comic from the Star Wars is Dr. Aphra issue 16. Written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier. Inked by Emilio Leso and colored by Rochelle Rosenberg. The storyline of Chelly Afra's story has been a little bonkers but in a dope-tastic way. Interactions with Imperial Inspector Magna Tolvan keep up here, as well as a romantic tension between the two characters. Afra still with her weirdo team, fetching something for the murder-droid Triple Zero, and the reveal of what he's after is quite interesting. Also, a giant Star Wars monster for people who like that sort of thing. More tukas, more explosions. Maybe the explosions have to do with the tukas. And then, and then there's what seems like a wrap-up for the mission, which really means it's headed somewhere fun and wild next. Really, just enjoy the character of Afra while I miss. Black Kersantan being around. One can only hope in the future for more of the giant, dark Wookiee. For these six issues in the world of Star Wars, if I had to rank them, uh, we would, uh, let's see, number one would be Vader, followed by Star Wars. Number three would be Cashin and K-2SO. Four would be Afra. Five would be Poe. And last would be DJ Most Wanted. But uh, really, the drop-off from five to six is, is pretty steep. Uh, yeah, but uh, the I, I really you can't go wrong with Star Wars comics and, and it was a good week. And while we're talking Star Wars, we're just going to segue as I usually do to the next segment. Let the Wookiee win where we go over whatever stuff from a long time ago that I choose to ramble about. So just the the first little Star Wars thing that I want to talk about. Actually, I had planned to talk about it on the last episode, but I forgot to. Just a, a shout out to to an artist named James Hance. He is the creator of Wookiee the Chew. If you have not ever experienced Wookie the Chew, you may have actually seen images of, like, recently there's been a little image of the plushy, like, Winnie the Pooh-looking... Uh, Chewbacca and then the shadow is like a full form Chewbacca actually one of my friends was telling me at Kiki mama's in Buena Park they saw a print of that and wanted to pick it up but all this comes from James Hans. he has a website www.jameshance.com Hance is h-a-n-c-e like chance without the c but this this is so good he basically took the world of A.A. Melon's Winnie the Pooh and made it Star Wars it's Wookie the Chew it's droid lit three pit Chris Solo Robin, Ador, Al B. Wan, Tanta, and Tantu, and then there's even a female character called the Princess. But uh, I guess I, I can't say more about this than actually just to use the words of, of the very own Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca himself, his words regarding Wookiee the Chew were, the gentle, innocent characters invite a whole new generation into both the Star Wars universe and James' own magical land, of Wookiee the Chew so that's right even Chewbacca likes Wookiee the Chew. I actually have some art from James Hance There's some really good stuff I, I picked up a couple prints of Wookiee the Chew and then I picked up another he did another run where it was uh, It looked like Chewbacca and uh, Princess Leia, but it was solely and boo, which was super cute yeah really you check out his stuff the, he has a thing where you can actually get it's like a six page free coloring book that actually has has some of the characters there uh his art is amazing there's actually something that i want to pick up in the future but i'll keep it a surprise because i want it to be a surprise for the person that i'm getting it for really good stuff just one. to uh, to shout out him as as an amazing person in the in the world of chewbacca and star wars also if you didn't hear i, I just talked about all the star wars comics there actually is going to be a comic for the last jedi it's actually being written but written by gary witta or wit Whitla. oh no sorry gary, gary witta he was the screenwriter of rogue one and apparently this new comic may have some scenes that weren't actually seen in the movie and some scenes told from a different point of view so uh it could be neat if you're a big fan of The Last Jedi. It might be something you enjoy. Actually, there was a comic that they did for The Force Awakens, too, but I didn't pick it up. Not going to lie. Uh, what else we have? Oh, I'm so excited. If you, if you did not see, Porg Shoes. That's right. Shoes made out of Porgs. Not only are they adorable and cute, but they could be made into shoes, and that's not really the truth. What has been made... Are some low cut vegan lace up shoes that have cute little porgs on them? The uh, company is Pozu. If you want more information, it's po zu.com. They have porg shoes, they're amazing. And uh, I, I don't often wear shoes, but when I do, I think I might spend some money on some porg shoes. Just saying, unless I could find uh, the only thing, I, I guess, if I could find some Ewok shoes that would beat out porgs. And then if i could find some wookie shoes that would beat out ewoks but obviously i'm a big big lover of the the fuzzy creatures from the the world of star wars and uh i guess that just ends to the last thing yes the entire point of this entire episode was uh was flying solo and the point is stuff finally happened for han solo that's right we got trailers we got two trailers we got one during During the Superhero Bowl, we got one during Good Morning America, and then there were posters. That's right, posters of Lando, and Kira, and Chewie, and Han. Bright and fun posters, and bright and fun trailers. And um, I just gotta say that I, I saw both of the trailers, and I enjoyed both of them A lot. I enjoyed them a lot. I think a lot of people that probably had hate and naysaying for Han Solo probably required it. Of course, there's some who won't be by it. I I hear what, what a lot of people have said about it. I think, man, every time I saw Lando in there, and it was so brief, but just holy moly does uh lando just lando smiling in that second good morning american trailer like had me and every time i see my boy chewbacca you know i'm gonna be excited alden aaron reich as han solo i i actually could see some of that in there i actually was talking to a friend and was just like go back and think of indiana jones in the last crusade you know when you got river phoenix playing a young indiana jones looks nothing like him but then after you saw it, now when you see it, that's just young Indiana Jones. That's who it is, and you don't even think about it. So I, th- I would say people with trepidation over Alden Aaron right? give it a chance. Uh, does he sound exactly like Han Solo? No, but there's there's some shots in those, that, like the Star Destroyer coming out of the, the fog or the clouds or whatever it is, and that, that weird tr- twisty train, and then the aliens, and you know, Woody Harrelson, you know, putting together a crew, it's gonna be a crime, it's gonna be a crime movie, and it does look clean, The, the Falcon is literally clean. And uh, once it was brand new, and what do they have to go through that makes the Falcon look like it does? And then, you know, I, I just I love seeing, you know, the, the scene of Chewbacca putting his, his arm around Han. I actually saved that image and plan to put it up on my Instagram at some point. The posters look great Lando in a yellow shirt. Heck yeah. Way, way to go, Childish Gambino. Donald Glover being Lando in a yellow shirt and looking super dope while you do it. And, and there was just a lot of things. I've gone and watched these trailers probably one too many times. I think uh, I think actually I was listening to the music and it sounded almost like they took uh, the Rogue One music and, and mixed it with Star Wars. Um, I, I, I'm I in for a penny, in for a pound on Han Solo. And the trailers were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. This is a script by Lawrence Kasdan of, of original trilogy fame. In *The Empire Strikes Back* and *Return of the Jedi* department, he also was involved in *The Force Awakens*. So, if you're a big fan of that movie, that was Lawrence Kasdan too. And I, he, oh, it, I think it looks cool. I, there was a lot of stuff to enjoy. I'm excited. It looks like they're going to Han's imperial past, you know, which is old canon that it looks like they're resurrecting. And then there's there's new droids to look at. We're definitely getting new planets. I've heard some rumors for Han Solo. You know, of course you're going to get Corellia. Of course you're going to get Kessel. But also the planet Iridium, which involves space pirates, if you don't know. The planet Saverine, who's famous for their brandy. And then another planet called Vandor or Fondor, which is either going to be barren rocky planetoids near Coruscant or the location of an Imperial shipyard. So I'd probably go for the second one. Then there even was a Lego set I got Spoiled. With Han in a Tie Fighter, I I've not seen the images of it, but man, this this really uh really just looks all sorts of interesting. Check out the trailers. Both of the trailers are up on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. Another not too subtle plug for that. But uh, the Han Solo stuff looks cool, and I'm sure I'll probably talk more about this in the future if I have a guest on. And then I guess just ending with not really Star Wars news, but just fun thing. If you remember Natalie Portman rapping like 12 years ago on Saturday Night Live, she came back. Did it again with the Lonely Island guys that even joked about the Star Wars prequels. Not much to say other than um, I love Natalie Portman, I love Padme, and this is amazing. There's, uh, I'm going to make sure there's a link on the website, so that's another not-so-subtle plug for LaughItUpFuzzball.net where all this podcast goodness is hosted. The link will be there in the show notes. And uh, the Star Wars stuff in the rap is at the minute and a half mark, and it's really quick but really amazing and actually teaches you a little lesson about uh Jar Jar Binks's anatomy. So that that's everything I have for this episode. Congratulations on completing level 78 thank you for accompanying me so i didn't truly have to fly solo if you're not already doing so subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play stitcher Tunein.com, also other apps which pull from these places so do your thing so i can keep doing mine go over to apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and say how much you love the podcast let's get it out to everybody and if there's a way to rate on any of the other things that you go on go and go and rate let's let's keep the podcast going you can always comment at uh, facebook.com slash laugh it up fuzzball podcast. Although there might be news about that going away more in the future, I haven't made a decision yet. But the, the Facebook group, laugh it up fuzzballs, is not going anywhere. The website, laugh it up not going anywhere. Always on Twitter and Instagram, you can reach me at Wookie Riot. That's W O O K I E E R I O T. Um, I try to be on Twitter and Instagram as much as I can find time for. You can always reach me at laughitupfuzzballpodcast at gmail.com. That's probably the most reliable way because that goes straight to my phone, friends. Straight to my phone. But I always want to see your thoughts, comments, questions, cussing, discussing, and ideas. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me be the Wookiee, your resident walking carpet at Geekery. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. May the force be with us all. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy and TTFN. Wookie out.